Greetings and welcome to session two of this series on abounding in the good works of God. Today we're going to focus on God's nature of love. And we're going to start in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16. And in this verse it reads, And we have known and have believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. Let's take a moment to pause and reflect on these three powerful words, God is love. And specifically, I want to look at that word is. This is not saying that God gives love, although he certainly does. And it's not saying that God knows a lot about love, although he certainly does. This is talking about who God is, and it defines him directly with love. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, it reads, Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's nature is a nature of love. The word know here in this verse is a translation of the Greek word gnosko. And gnosko means to know and to understand by way of experience. We cannot truly know and experience God unless we recognize his love. You cannot separate the two. If you take away the love from God, you no longer have God. Whenever we associate with God, we are coupled with his love. And when we walk away from love, we are walking away from God. In Romans chapter 5, in verse 8, it reads, But God shows his own love towards us, and that while we are still sinners, Christ died in our place. The word shows in this verse is a translation of the Greek word sonistami, and it means to bring together or to unite. God did this uniting not while we were deserving it. He did this while we were sinners. He reached out his hand in an invitation to fellowship with us. He did this by allowing his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. I do not know of any other religion in the world who worships a God like this. A God who loves us when we did not deserve it. All other religions outside of Christianity require acts of service by men in order to gain God's favor. God did not require us to do anything right in order for us to win his favor. He granted it to us unconditionally while we were sinners. This is the agapeo love of God. Isn't that wonderful? In 1 John chapter 4, in verse 9, it reads, This is how the love of God was revealed among us, that God has sent his only begotten Son 
into the world so that we could live through him. And this is his love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's verse 10 that I just read. When did God do this for us? After we deserved it? No, he did this while we were dead in trespasses and sins. This is the complete opposite of the philosophy of the world. They tell you that you should not give anything to any someone until they deserve it. You go to work, right, at your job, and then you earn a paycheck. You treat someone nice, and then you earn the right to be treated nice. But that is not God's way. His way is unconditional love. It took me many years after I became a Christian to believe and accept that love that God had for me, unconditionally. Until then, I was relatively lonely, keeping to myself. I didn't have many friends. I was afraid to open up my heart to people, thinking that when they saw me, they would see my weaknesses and they wouldn't like me, and they wouldn't choose to want to be with me. Then one day, a fellow believer came up to me and they shared something with me that I've never forgotten. They said that my problem was that I didn't believe that God really loved me. At first I got defensive and I said, oh yes, I know that God loves me. But when I got quiet and I got by myself and thought about what that person had said, I realized that they were right. And then I really didn't believe that God loved me because I didn't think that I deserved his love. I went into a private place. There was a small pavilion. There was no one else around. And I cried. And I cried some more. And I reached out to God in desperation. I asked him to reach me with his love, to help me to understand it. It didn't happen overnight. Days went by, weeks went by, and months went by, and it seems like every day I grew a little closer to understanding what God's love really was. And over time, I grew to understand that God loved me just the way I was. He didn't look at me and say, Sean, you did this wrong, and so therefore I don't love you anymore. But I knew that although I had sinned many times, that God's love was still there, and he still cared for me the same, regardless of what I had done wrong. When you're with other Christians, you can put on quite a show. You can fool other people into thinking that everything is wonderful. My question to you is, do you really understand, and are you really experiencing God's love? In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 11, it reads, Beloved, if God loved us in this way, we also are obligated to love one another. We cannot do God's will unless we truly know God's love. We can be very religious, but to really walk with the true God, we have to know and we have to understand, we have to accept God's love. 
Then, once we experience God's love for ourself, God is asking us to reach out to others with that same love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in verse 1, it reads, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And if I prophesy, and I know all the sacred secrets and all the knowledge, if I have all trust so that I can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I give my body to be burned, but I do not have love, it profits me nothing. It is impossible for us to do God's will unless we know and experience His love. And anything we do without His love as motivation, regardless of how religious it looks, it will not bring about profit to us. That is what these verses in Corinthians say, and that is what they mean. So it is virtually important that we get this right. We have to recognize God's love for us. Then our acts of service towards others will bear fruit, not only for them, but it will bring profit to us. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 36 through 40. It reads, Teacher, which commandment is the greatest one in the law? And he, Jesus, said to him, Love Yahweh your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and the first commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the whole law and also the prophets. Do you see this? Every commandment of God hinges us upon us doing these two things. Some religious people like to make living for God very complicated. They say that if you truly love God, then you're going to have to dress up really nice and show up for church every Sunday morning. Or they're going to say if you really love God, you would never go dancing they try to make rules and regulations about what it means to love God. But He, God, is love. And He has given us the freedom to operate His love towards others and what we do and how we choose to serve Him. The important thing that we need to know is that when we do things for other people and when we perform things for other people inside the church and out in the world that we do it out of love. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19. We love because he first loved us. And then verse 20 and 21. If anyone says, I love God and yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For whoever does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen is not able to love God whom he has not seen. And we have this commandment from him. Whoever loves God 
must love his brother and his sister also. The true Christians are not necessarily the ones who show up for church every Sunday morning. That verse doesn't say that if you show up for church, that that shows your love for God. It says that you show your love for God by how you treat your brothers and sisters. And if you treat them with hate, then you are not showing your love for God. And if you treat them with love, this unconditional love, regardless of how they've treated you, regardless of of who they are and what they may have done or didn't do, regardless of how they look or how they didn't look, regardless of their race, their color, their skin, or any other reason, God's requirement, if we truly love him, is to love them with that same love that he's given us. Now, I'm not trying to discourage anyone from attending church fellowships. I think they're great, and I think we need them in order to get edified and to be able to build up other Christians around us. So go to your church fellowships. But I'm saying don't be a hypocrite. Don't go to church and get all lovey-dovey with people, and then you get away from church and you start treating people like dirt. That is not how we're supposed to do things. God has given us his love and he expects us throughout the week when we're at church, when we're out of church, to be the same person and to be a person that walks in acts of kindness and acts with love towards other people. That is God's primary desire for our life. And all the commandments in the Bible are built upon loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Many of these attributes of God's love are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and on your own it'd be a good thing to read through them. It says the love of God is patient. It says the love of God, God is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't brag. It's not self-seeking. It's not provoking and it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. How many times have you heard someone bring up something that you did wrong years ago? This is not the love of God. We don't bring up past wrongs. We forgive and we move on. So what does it mean to love people with the love of God? In the lowest common denominator, we are to love people just for being them, without any other qualifications, to treat them with respect, to let them know that we love them just the way they are with no strings attached. God put that person on this earth and he loves them. And the greatest thing we can do for someone is to let them know that God loves them. And they don't see God. They see you. And so we have to show God's love for them by demonstrating it by the way that we treat them. So if you see someone in need, reach out to help them. I remember one time when I was in school and the leadership in the school made a big deal out of saying that they wanted to make sure that we showed up on time for classes, that we were not late. And I was walking to class one day 
And I looked over on a bench and there was a friend of mine and he was crying. I didn't know this person really well, but I knew him somewhat and I looked at my watch and I had a decision to make. I could either go on to my class and be on time and look good in front of the staff or I could choose to love this person who was in need right now, who was crying and be late for class. Well, what do you think I chose? I sat down on the bench and I asked my friend, well, why are you crying? And I was able to minister to him. You see, walking in love doesn't mean that we dot all of our I's and cross all of our T's. It means that we reach out to people that have need. If someone needs emotional help, be a good listener. Put yourself in their shoes. Then minister to them with the wisdom that God has given you from his word. We did not deserve God's love. And neither should we choose to love others simply because they do something to justify it. When my first child was born, I didn't know how to raise him. Now my children are 24, 22, and 15 years old. And I'm sure that I didn't raise them by the book. I know there's lots of books out there on parenting and to tell you all the right things that you need to do. But I'm going to share something with you. The one thing that I did for my children was I loved them with the love of God. And it's the love of God, I believe, that enabled my children to grow up right. And today, I can proudly say all three of them are doing wonderful with their lives. And it's not because I'm great. It's because God is great. And God is love. And his love is the most powerful, motivating force in the universe. And if we will recognize and understand his love and then manifest it to other people, we will have a huge impact on their lives. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13 says, But now remains trust, hope, love, these three, and the greatest of these, which one do you think it is? It's not trust. It's not hope. The greatest of these is love. So if you are looking for the one key in your endeavor to live for God and to do his will, this is it. It is to walk in love. Nothing is more important. Everything else needs to take a back seat. There's no greater way to serve God. And in fact, we cannot truly serve God without this love. And that is the reason I made this session number two, because this has to be the foundation to everything I'm going to teach you from here on out. Because as we read in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, we can give all our money to the poor, we can give our body to be burned, but if we don't operate love, we are profit nothing. Now that we have established the importance of love, we are ready to delve into a topic that when I first learned about this, it changed my life completely as a Christian. I'm so excited about the next session. 
And we're going to talk about how God, who is the creator of the heavens and the earth, desires to have a personal, intimate fellowship with you. So until then, remember, God loves you, and so do I.